Hi, David Emmer here. This is For the Record Program number 1277, Pandemics Incorporated, Part 9. This is being recorded on December 12th of the year 2022. We will be continuing our series with Jimmy Jamio and in all probability, more guests who have participated in the JFK Revisited Oliver Stone documentary that Jim wrote the screenplay for. Uh, however, there are some other things that I wanted to update, chiefly some uh, just terrifying things in the arena of potential biological warfare, eugenics, all kinds of things. Hence the title, Pandemics Incorporated, Part 9. This will uh, supplement uh, the work on the uh, Ecohealth Alliance Metabiotic Incutel Munich Reinsurance Consortium that uh, really appears to be something of a, well, an iteration, <coughs> excuse me, of the Nazi concentration camps. Uh, their slave labor was worked to death in order to generate profits for the corporations whose manufacturing facilities were associated with those slave labor programs. By the same token, a lot of money is going to be made on creating diseases, getting rid of people, and then providing the antidotes, the vaccines, treatments, what have you, to cure or at least ameliorate or prevent the very diseases that they have been created. So this is uh, a new iteration on Killam and Billam. Before I get started, do get uh, be, be aware of the comments made by Parafractal. They are very important. And uh, also be aware that Sister Station WFMU is podcasting for the record. There are links for the uh, podcast at the top of each food for thought description and at the top of each uh, for, at the top of each written for the record description and at the top of each food for thought article or post. The latest iteration of the flash drive will be ready sometime in the new year. It will include all of the Jim Diogenio interviews about JFK Revisited and uh, the Pandemics Incorporated and an update on the war in Ukraine. So that will all be forthcoming. I will let you know as soon as the new flash drive is ready. Uh, be aware also that I'm doing a Patreon site with three roughly one-hour talks per week. We're going to modify that. We're doing Zoom uh, meetings, but I think those are going to be less frequent. They'll only be maybe about once a month, and we'll feature guest authors and or researchers. So we're going to modify the Zoom uh, Patreon level, and also in, I'm almost completely decided to begin writing articles as well. So do be aware of the Patreon site. Again, links at the top of each written food for thought, uh, each written for the record description, and at the top of each food for thought post. Now, in the background, uh, well, really not the background, but in connection with our decades long intermittent coverage of the development of AIDS as a, a biological weapon. 
we have spoken about what appears to be the launching platform for that, which was uh, Richard Nixon's War on Cancer. I've covered that in many programs, for the record, 682, for the record, 686, and uh, once again in, for the record, 1115. Uh, I will put links to that. In fact, I think I'll put uh, a very important article by Richard Hatch from a covert action quarterly in 1992 in the written description for the program, but we do not have time to go into that here. The reason I mention biological warfare and the war on cancer launched by Richard Nixon, which appears to have been in considerable measure a biological warfare front, is that uh, I.G. Joe, as I call him, uh, aviator glasses Joe, I.G. Joe, obviously a corruption of G.I. Joe, and it refers to his title or nickname as the senator from DuPont. DuPont pretty much dominates the state of Delaware. That is where Joe Biden is from. And uh, he is, well, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, editorialize, I think, the things that I have spoken about in connection with uh, Biden and uh, also his son Hunter, uh, well, well, they are on the record. But he has launched, Joe Biden has launched a new war on cancer. This one is called the Cancer Moonshot, and once again it fits... Uh, on a biological warfare slash military template. And I suspect very strongly that what we are going to be seeing is a whole new generation of very sophisticated biological weapons using synthetic technology or synthetic biology. And this may also very well uh, lead to the realization of some surreal developments in the context of eugenics. Uh, the root technology CRISPR-9 is available now, and there is a very disturbing body of evidence which I have gone into in the Oswald Institute of Virology programs, programs 1170, 1183 to 1193, 1112-15, and then the Pandemics Incorporated programs, particularly uh, for the record 1251 through 1256 that uh, go into this. The new uh, cancer moonshot uh, basically revolves around the creation of a new federal agency for health innovation, and it looks very much like the War on Cancer 1 from Richard Nixon. It looks like it will be in, in a considerable measure a front for biological warfare. We're going to plunge right in, uh, reading from the New York Times Western Print Edition from Tuesday, September 13th of 2022. This is an article by Cheryl Gay Stolberg, S-P-O-L-B-E-R-G. It is headlined, Biotech Executive Picked as Head of New Agency for Health Innovation. Uh, that woman is Dr. Renee uh, Wurzen, I'm going to 
guess at the pronunciation of her last name. It is either a Polish or perhaps Ukrainian last name. Dr. Rene, R-E-M-E-E, that's standard. Last name, capital D, a capital W, excuse me, E, G as in George, R-Z-Y-N. I'm going to pronounce it version. That may not be correct, but again, good luck with that one. W-E-G-R-Z-Y-N. And uh, note here that this federal agency essentially uh, or ostensibly for a cancer moonshot uh, is something that fits very much along the lines of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Indeed, it is modeled on that. She, Dr. Uh, Wurzen, is a veteran of DARPA and also Booz Allen Hamilton. She appears to have been employed there during the time when COVID-19 was being developed. And uh, indeed, uh, the cancer moonshot, this new federal agency, looks very much like a uh, synthetic biology, biological warfare front, or something that will serve that purpose. Bear in mind that many of the relevant technologies are dual use. Now again, this New York Times article from 9-13-2022 reads in part, President Biden sketching out a vision for, quote, bold approaches, unquote, to fighting cancer and other diseases, announced on Monday that he had selected Dr. Rene Wurzen, again, W-E-V-R-Z-Y-N, a Boston biotech executive with government experience as the director of a new federal agency aimed at pursuing risky, far-reaching ideas that will drive biomedical innovation. Mr. Biden made the announcement at the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library and Museum in Boston on the 60th anniversary of the former president's, quote, moonshot, unquote, speech that ushered in an era of space travel. He used the occasion to reiterate his call to, quote, end cancer as we know it, unquote, the tagline for his own cancer moonshot initiative. Now, listen to the description of the agency and uh, also some of the CD of Dr. Wurzen. Modeled after the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, the new agency is known as the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health. In the Argo of Washington, where every agency has an acronym, the Defense Research Agency is called DARPA, and the Health Agency is ARPA-H. Skipping down. Dr. Rosen is a vice president for business development at Ginkgo Bioworks and the head of innovation at Concentric by Ginkgo, the company's initiative to advance coronavirus testing and track the spread of the virus. Dr. Rosen also worked at DARPA and its sister intelligence agency, the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects Activity and DARPA and various subsidiary and or associated agencies are deeply involved in the apparent creation of COVID, as I have discussed. Uh, Still more about this new agency. The agency already has an acting deputy director, Adam H. Russell, also a DARPA alumnus who has been laying the technical infrastructure and other groundwork to get the new agency off the ground. 
again, uh, both the current acting director and the uh, woman, Dr. Wurzen, who has been selected to head this agency, have backgrounds in DARPA, and DARPA is one of the agencies implicated deeply in uh, the development of COVID-19. Indeed, one of the signature articles uh, by Whitney Webb from the American Vagabond blog talks about that development. We're going to go to another very important article by Whitney Webb in uh, a latter portion of the program. But again... Uh, note Dr. Rosen and some more about her background. This from her Wikipedia entry. From 2003 to 2006, Rosen worked as a postdoctoral research fellow at the European Molecular Biology Laboratory. From 2006 to 2008, she worked as the assay development group leader for AdLife, a biotechnology based in Quebec. In 2009, she was a senior scientist at Mesoscale Discovery, and in 2012, she was a fellow at the John Hopkins Center for Health Security. By the way, that was one of the institutions associated with the event 201 in October of 2019 that discussed what would happen if a novel coronavirus spread around the world and basically threw the world's uh, economies and societies into a state of chaos. Of course, that was exactly what happened. More about Dr. Wurzen. From 2009 to 2016, she worked as a senior lead technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. From 2016 to 2020, she served as a program manager in the Biological Technologies Office of DARPA, where she specialized in synthetic biology and biosecurity. Since 2018, she has been a senior advisor to the Nuclear Threat Initiative. But again, note in 2016 to 2020, that is the Trump administration. From 2016 to 2020, she served as, again, as a senior lead technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. That was 2009 to 2016. Booz Allen Hamilton, a major intelligence and military contractor. From 2016 to 2020, she served as a program manager in the Biological Technologies Office of DARPA, where she specialized in synthetic biology and biosecurity. Uh, again, that places her right in the milieu that is implicated in the development of COVID-19. And that is uh, very scary indeed. Uh, note that the war on cancer that Richard Nixon engaged in, and, and we're not going to have time to read the article, but there was a very important article from Covert Action Quarterly's issue, uh, from Co- Covert Action Quarterly in 1992, authored by Richard Hatch, that talks about the Special Viral Cancer Research Institute. Part of Fort Dietrich was turned over to the National Cancer Institute, but that was managed for the NCI by Lytton Biomedics, a biotechnology subsidiary of Lytton Industries, not only a major defense contractor, but a major vehicle for covert operations. Uh, the 
written biomedics, was uh, deeply involved with the Mason Pfizer, Pfizer monkey virus. They were injecting uh, various organisms with apparent cancer-causing viruses. The superb essential research of Ed Haslam, and I've done many interviews with Ed and his Dr. Mary's Monkey, formerly in its early edition, uh, Mary Ferry and the Monkey Virus, has spoken about the war on cancer and some of the antecedents going back to the assassination of JFK. In addition to the fact that a military contractor uh, was basically uh, operating part of Fort Dietrich for the NCI, its top oncologist was Dr. Robert Gallo, who became the face of AIDS in the 1980s. The cell culture uh, for the project was at the uh, Oakland Naval Biosciences Laboratory, and uh, the many of the people involved with written biomedics had backgrounds working for the U.S. Biological Warfare Program. Again, I've spoken about that in many programs for the record 686 and for the record 1115, among others. And I will put the description, I will put the uh, breakdown of the information from Corporate Action Quarterly in the written description for the program. Another very scary article, uh, this one from the Unlimited Hangout blog of August 17th of 2022, uh, also from Whitney Webb, who authored that consummately important article about DARPA and cancer-causing uh, excuse me, about DARPA and uh, bat-borne coronaviruses and the Pentagon and DARPA's deep involvement with that. This article, again, from the Unlimited Hangout blog of August 17th of 2022, is titled, Company Linked to CIA Now Making MRNA for Moderna's Reformulated COVID Booster Shots. It's by Whitney Webb and uh, has been reprinted by the Children's Health Defense, among other institutions. Again, from the Unlimited Hangout blog of August 17th, 2022. The article reads in part, Earlier this week, the United Kingdom became the first country to approve Moderna's reformulated version of its COVID-19 vaccine, which claims to provide protection against both the original form of the virus and the significantly less lethal but more transmissible Omicron variant. And I've also noted that uh, those new vaccines rely largely on mouse trials, which are notoriously un- uh, notoriously unreliable in terms of producing results for human beings. Skipping down and talking about Moderna. However, unlike the company's original COVID-19 vaccine, by the way, subsidized by DARPA, the genetic material or messenger MR... One more time. However, unlike the company's original COVID-19 vaccine, the genetic material or messenger RNA, mRNA for this new vaccine, including the newly formulated genetic material meant to provide protection against the Omicron variant, is being manufactured not by Moderna, but by a relatively new company 
but has received hardly any media attention despite its overt links to U.S. intelligence. Last September, it was quietly announced that the company called National Resilience, often referred to simply as Resilience, would begin manufacturing the mRNA for modern, for Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine products. Skipping down of Resilience. It further plans, quote, to reinvent biomanufacturing, unquote, and, quote, democratize access to medicines, unquote, namely gene therapies, experimental vaccines, and other, quote, medicines of tomorrow, unquote. In pursuit of those goals, the company announced it would, quote, actively invest in developing powerful new technologies to manufacture complex medicines that are defining the future of therapeutics, including cell and gene therapies, viral vectors, vaccines, and proteins, unquote. It was founded with the reported intention, quote, to build a better system for manufacturing complex medicines to fight deadly diseases as a way to improve post-COVID-19 pandemic preparedness. Uh, this is interesting to uh, compare to the uh, EcoHub Alliance, Mepobiopa, uh, Tel, and uh, Munich Reinsurance, Pandemic Insurance, or Pandemics Incorporated, as I called it. Indeed, there is an Tel connection to this as well. Tel being the venture capital arm of the intelligence community and the CIA in particular. Continuing of resilience. The company initially marketed its manufacturing capabilities as, quote, the resilience platform, unquote, and offers principally, quote, RNA modalities, unquote, including RNA development for vaccines, gene editing and therapeutics, and, quote, virus production, unquote, including viral vectors, oncolytic viruses, i.e. a virus engineered to preferentially attack cancer cells, viruses for use in vaccine development, and gene-edited viruses for unspecified purposes. It is worth noting that, to date, many controversial gain-of-function experiments have justified modifying viruses for the same purposes as described by resilience's virus production capabilities. And uh, continuing here. Skipping down again, note that the virus production and the the rationalization of using uh, health measures to develop dual-use technologies with biological warfare applications. Skipping down. In April of 2021, National Resilience acquired Ology Bioservices Incorporated, which had received a $37 million contract from the U.S. military the previous November to develop an advanced anti-COVID-19 monoclonal antibody treatment. Again, not the military contract here. This acquisition also provided National Resilience with its first biosafety level 3 or BSL-3 laboratory and the ability to manufacture cell and gene therapies, live viral vaccines, and vectors and oncolytic viruses. Skipping down yet again. 
More recently, in 2022, the company announced a few new clients, Pekeda Opus Genetics and the U.S. Department of Defense. Skipping down once again. One member of Resilience's Board of Directors, former U.S. Food and Drug Administration FDA Commissioner and Pfizer Board member Scott Gottlieb, has described the company as seeking to act as the equivalent of Amazon Web Services for the biotechnology industry. And skipping down again. Indeed, one could easily argue that the approvals of mRNA vaccines for the first time in human history during the COVID-19 crisis were only possible because of the major relaxing of regulatory procedures and safety testing due to the perceived urgency of the situation. Uh, heads up before we continue here. Note during the text of all of the discussions of how this company is going to propel uh, us into the future and enable us to bypass certain uh, antiquated uh, procedures such as in-person physician consultations. Basically, you'll consult with an AI. One of the things that I noted in the photo record 1258 was some very important material from the book The Contrarian by Max Chafkin, noting that the uh, thanatophobe and was death-fearing and life extension uh, addict Peter Peel, one of the top figures behind uh, the Trump verse, uh, someone one would expect to be very downtrodden by the pandemic was in fact elated by it because he felt that it had propelled us into the future. One of the major factors in uh, the Peel point of view was that the FDA should basically be kneecapped and restructured as simply a vehicle for putting uh, pharmaceuticals out to market. Um, that is worth keeping in mind, because we're going to take a look at how, uh, in addition to its overt intelligence and military connections, which appear to dominate uh, the uh, resilience firm, uh, the people involved are talking so enthusiastically about how this is going to propel us into the future. This sounds very much like the way Peter Thiel viewed the pandemic. And again, bearing in mind that uh, Joe Biden has just minted a new federal agency, which is basically a medical DARPA with uh, the veterans of DARPA involved with it. It looks very much like uh, what the war on cancer launched by Richard Nixon was, mainly a platform for the realization of biological warfare programs. And in the case of uh, Nixon's war on cancer, AIDS appears to have been an outgrowth of that. Uh, still more from this article. Now take a look at the people involved with this company. Resilience was co-founded by biotech venture capitalist Robert Nelson, M-E-L-S-E-N, who is known for listening, quote, to science's earliest whispers even when data are too early for just about anyone else, unquote. Nelson was one of the earliest investors in Illumina, a California-based 
gene sequencing software and software giant that is believed to dominate currently the field of genomics. As mentioned in a previous unlimited hangout investigation, Illumina is closely tied to the, uh, the, the one more time. As mentioned in a previous unlimited hangout investigation, Illumina is closely tied to the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, equivalent of the Welcome Trust known as Welcome Leap, which is also focused on, quote, futuristic, unquote, and transhumanist medicines, unquote. Nelson is now chairman of National Resilience's board, which is a who's who of big players from the U.S. national security state, big pharma, and pharma-related philanthropy. By the way, it'll be interesting to see if we ever hear about, uh, hear about it if uh, the new medical DARPA, uh, headed up by Dr. Worzen, uh, is involved with resilience Moderna at all. Again, this, you talk about a, uh, a murderer's row, uh, that is, has been reconfigured as, uh, basically a, uh, uh, salvation board, medically and scientifically speaking. More about, uh, about Mr. Nelson here, Robert Nelson. However, while Nelson has been given much of the credit for creating resilience, he revealed in one interview that the idea for the company, one more time, however, while Nelson has been given much of the credit for creating resilience, he revealed in one interview that the idea for the company had actually come from someone else. Luciana Borio, B-O-R-I-O is her last name. In July of last year, Nelson revealed that it was while talking to Borio about, quote, her work running pandemic preparedness on the National Security Council, unquote, that had, quote, helped lead to the launch of Nelson's $800 million biologics manufacturing startup resilience. Again, note the work of uh, Luciano Boria or her, her position in this one more time for uh, purposes of memory and clarity. Resilience, he revealed in one interview, uh, however, while Nelson has been given much of the credit for creating resilience, he revealed in one interview that the idea for the company had actually come from someone else, Luciana Borio. In July of last year, Nelson revealed that it was while talking to Borio about, quote, her work running pandemic preparedness on the NSC the National Security Council, unquote, that had, quote, helped lead to the launch of Nelson's $800 million biologics manufacturing startup resilience, unquote. In other words, this was the brainchild of Luciana Borio. And who is she? At the time of their conversation, Borio was the vice president of InQtel, the venture capital arm of the Central Intelligence Agency, or CIA, that has been used since its creation in the early 2000s to found a number of companies, many of which act as agency fronts. One more time. At the time of their conversation, there being Robert Nelson and Luciano Borio, at the time of their conversation, Borio was the vice 
president of InQtel, the venture capital arm of the Central Intelligence Agency that has been used since its creation in the early 2000s to found a number of companies, many of which act as agency fronts. Prior to InQtel, she served as director for medical and biodefense preparedness at the National Security Council during the Trump administration and had previously been the acting chief scientist at the FDA from 2015 to 2017. Borio is currently a senior fellow for global health at the Council on Foreign Relations. And skipping down, she has company here, so to speak, on the, uh, the board of directors. Borio is hardly resilience's only InQtel connection, as the CEO of InQtel, Chris Darby, sits on the company's board of directors. In other words, the current head of InQtel, Chris Darby, is on resilience's board of directors. Darby is also on the board of directors of the CIA Officers Memorial Foundation. Darby was also recently a member of the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, or NSCAI, where members of the military, intelligence community, and Silicon Valley's top firms argued for the need to reduce the use of legacy systems, unquote, in favor of AI-focused alternatives as a national security imperative. Among those legacy systems identified by the NSCAI Milkus were in-person doctor visits and even receiving medical care from a human doctor as opposed to an AI, quote, doctor, unquote. One more time. Among those legacy systems identified by the NSCAI were in-person doctor visits and even receiving medical care from a human doctor as opposed to an AI doctor. The NSCAI also argued for the removal of regulatory barriers, unquote, that prevent these new technologies from replacing legacy systems. In other words, you consult with an AI to hack with a PCP. Another notable board member in discussing resilience's intelligence ties is Drew Etting, O-E-P-P-I-N-G. Etting works for Cerberus, Capital Management, the firm headed by Steve Feinberg, who previously led the President's Intelligence Advisory Board under the Trump administration. Cerberus is notably the parent company of DynCorp, a controversial U.S. national security contractor tied to numerous scandals, including scandals related to sex trafficking in conflict zones. Ebbing is also part of the CIA-linked foreign NGO, ostensibly focused on tackling child trafficking that was the subject of a previous unlimited hangout investigation. Edding is also the co-founder of 8VC, a venture capital firm that is one of the main investors in resilience. 8VC's other co-founder is Joe Lonsdale, and Edding, quote, started his career, unquote, as Lonsdale's chief of staff. Lonsdale is the co-founder alongside Peter Peel and Alex Karp 
of Palantir, a CIA front company and intelligence contractor that is the successor to DARPA's controversial total information awareness, mass surveillance, and data mining program. In addition, Edding previously worked for Bill Gates' investment fund. Now, this, again, is really important. Palantir is, as I've mentioned in many past programs, the alpha predator for the electronic surveillance outfit. It is a Peter Thiel company, uh, deeply involved in the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And, indeed, it would be difficult to exaggerate the intelligence and military connections of Palantir. Indeed, in an email on Hunter Biden's laptop that was confirmed by the Daily Mail, uh, in basically shoehorning metabiota into some of the uh, biological laboratories in Ukraine that the U.S. Uh, uh, government had helped to finance, he noted that the metabiota uh, basically was uh, to the CDC as Palantir was to uh, uh to other elements, other agencies of the government. One more time here. Edding is also part of the CIA-linked foreign NGO, ostensibly focused on tackling child trafficking that was the subject of a previous unlimited hangout investigation. Edding is also the co-founder of 8VC, a venture capital firm that is one of the main investors in resilience, 8VC's other co-founder is Joe Lonsdale, and Edding, quote, started his career, unquote, as Lonsdale's chief of staff. Lonsdale is the co-founder, alongside Peter Peel and Alex Karp, of Palantir, a CIA front company and intelligence contractor that is the successor to Darpa's controversial total awareness in from, uh, total awareness mass, one more time here. Lonsdale is the co-founder alongside Peter Peel and Alex Carpa Palantir, a CIA front company and intelligence contractor that is the successor to DARPA's controversial total information awareness, mass surveillance and data mining program. In addition, Edding previously worked for Bill Gates Investment Fund. Also worth noting is the presence of Joseph Robert Kerry, former U.S. Senator from Nebraska and a former member of the Conflict of Interest-ridden 9-11 Commission on Resilience's Board. By the way, Philip Zellico, uh, has, uh, who headed up the 9-11 Commission, which really could be called the Omission Commission, also chaired a uh, commission to determine the origins of COVID, as we've noted in our Oswald Institute of Virology series. Continuing here and recapping. Also worth noting is the presence of Joseph Robert Kerry, former U.S. Senator from Nebraska and a former member of the Conflict of Interest-ridden 9-11 Commission on Resilience's Board. Kerry is currently Managing Director of Allen & Company, a New York investment banking firm that has hosted an annual summer camp for billionaires, unquote, since 1983. Allen & Company has long been a major player in networks for organized crime and intelligence intersect, uh, 
and is mentioned repeatedly through my upcoming book, One Nation Under Blackmail. This is again to be my here being Whitney Webb. For instance, Charles and Herbert Allen, who ran the firm for decades, had considerable, had considerable business dealings with organized crime kingpins and frontmen for notorious gangsters like Meyer Lansky, particularly in the Bahamas. They were also business partners of Leslie Wexner's mentors A. Alfred Taubman and Max Fisher, as well as associates of Earl Bryan, one of the architects of the Promise software scandal that saw organized crime and intelligence networks cooperate to steal and then compromise the Promise software for blackmail and clandestine intelligence gathering purposes. Allen and Company was a major investor in Brian's business interests in the technology industry that Brian used in attempts to bankrupt the developers of Promise, Inslaw Incorporated, and to market versions of Promise that had been compromised first by Israeli intelligence and later the CIA. In addition to these intelligence-linked individuals, the rest of the Zillions' board includes the former CEO of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Susan Desmond Hellman, former FDA Commissioner and Pfizer board member, FDA Commissioner under Trump, by the way, Scott Gottlieb, two former executives at Johnson & Johnson, former President and CEO of Chiva Pharmaceuticals North American Branch, George Barrett, Caltech professor and board member of Alphabet, i.e. Google and Illumina, Francis Arnold, former executive at Genentech and Merck, Patrick Yang, and Resilience CEO, Rahul Singhvi. And again, I would note that um, the new vaccines uh, were rolled out with basically mouse trials only. They now are having some uh, human trials, but those are people who have gotten the vaccines. Whether or not they're effective, whether or not they're safe, who knows? Uh, mouse trials are notoriously unreliable when applied to human beings, both for efficacy, i.e. effectiveness, and also for safety. But again, note with Sean Aborio, Chris Darby, both from InQtel, uh, deeply involved with what we saw in the Pandemics Incorporated Consortium of EcoHealth Alliance, Metabiaba, InQtel, and Munich Reinsurance. And uh, they are heavily involved here, people uh, involved with the development of Palantir, uh, Joe Lonsdale. Uh, this looks like a company that is, among other things, a, uh, a biological warfare contractor. They may also be involved in legitimate technologies. One of the problems with analyzing many of these BW technologies, in particular as regards synthetic biology, is that the technologies are dual-use. And note that uh, resilience has uh, been manufacturing the viruses and that they also have a BSL-3 laboratory. Uh, developments like resilience developed in the mRNA for the new Moderna vaccine, Moderna itself, heavily involved with DARPA, uh, heavily involved with Operation Warp Speed. That was the Trump administration's uh, 
breakneck program to get uh, COVID vaccines on the market. And the head of uh, Operation Warp Speed was Monsef Slawi, who had been in charge of product development for Moderna. He was assisted in that regard by Gustav Pirna, a four-star general. Another former retired lieutenant general, Ostrowski, was deeply involved. And indeed, as we looked at in the Oswald Institute of Virology series, many health professionals were very critical of the fact that the military was so deeply involved with the COVID vaccination program. Again, I think that the implications of the creation of the new medical DARPA, or ARPA-H, under Dr. Rosen, Dr. W., which looks very much like something, uh, like a, a platform for biological warfare development using synthetic biology and using these sorts of uh, technologies uh, that resilience exemplifies, I think this bodes something very terrifying indeed. It is going to be see. It remains to be seen what happens with uh, COVID. Uh, China has now released, uh, relaxed, I should say, its zero COVID policy. That appears to be something uh, at least deemed necessary to uh, regain economic growth. Whether or not that results in a disaster for China remains to be seen. I would be willing to bet that the latest vectoring technology will be employed on China very possibly successfully. Note that China has the has five times the population roughly of the U.S. It only has one-seventh as many uh, ICU units or ICU beds. So they're certainly very vulnerable to COVID-19. It remains to be seen if uh, they succumb to it. I would note that the Recent demonstrations in this country against zero COVID have been greatly exaggerated, and China's announced relaxation of same had been announced before the demonstrations. This is being deliberately misrepresented in the American press in cover revolution uh, style. So again, uh, do take note of that. Uh, again, uh, the advent of this new DARPA H is something that is altogether terrifying. Uh, I suspect very strongly that the new cancer moonshot is going to be like the war on cancer uh, that uh, Richard Nixon launched and that appears to have been the platform for the development of AIDS and perhaps other things as well. Again, note that these technologies are upon us very quickly. Uh, an op-ed piece from the New York Times of Sunday, December 11th of 2022, by Fyodor, Fyodor Urnov. Uh, we can edit a person's DNA, so why don't we? Again, I suspect that we are going to see a huge ramp-up in uh, eugenics-related technologies involving CRISPR-9 and the relaxing of uh, various regulatory barriers to that. Found another interesting thing in the Science Times section of the New York Times, uh, also on Tuesday, September 13th of 2022, the same day as the article about Dr. W and the creation of the new medical uh, DARPA. And uh, it says, this jellyfish can live forever. Its genes may tell us how. 
fleets of miniature jellyfish known as Triratopsis boronii waft through the Mediterranean Sea, and they have a secret that sets them apart from other sea creatures. When their bodies are damaged, the mature adults, known as medusas, can transform back into their youthful selves. They shed their limbs, become drifting blobs, and morph into polyps. Gradually, the medusa buds off the polyp once again, rejuvenated. While predators or injuries can kill T. Dornai, that's B-O-H-R-N-double-I, old age does not. They are effectively immortal. In a new paper, scientists searched the jellyfish's genome for the genes controlling this process. By examining the genes active at different phases of life, the researchers got a glimpse glimpse of the orchestration of the jellyfish's rejuvenation. When the genomes were sequenced, researchers noticed the jellyfish had extra copies of certain genes, including some that protect and repair the jellyfish's DNA. To trigger rejuvenation, researchers put the jellyfish under stress, as the medusas began remaking their adult bodies, the scientists took snapshots of what genes they were using in each phase of development, showing which genes were actively being used to make proteins. I suspect that we will be seeing the applications of things like CRISPR-9. Again, as this op-ed piece said, uh, we can edit a person's DNA, so why don't we? Well, that will be coming, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what people like Peter Thiel do with the technology or with the uh, genomic information yielded by the study of that uh, functionally immortal Mediterranean jellyfish. Uh, <laughs> I think that may be one of the reasons why he was so enthusiastic about the uh, about how uh, the pandemic had uh, propelled us into the future. Uh, again, the uh, article about the National Cancer Institute uh, and the war on cancer will be in the written description for, for the record, 1277. However, due to the limitations of time, we are not going to have time to talk about that here. Uh, do note, though, of the many overlapping areas in the development of Resilience's mRNA technology, uh, Luciano Borio and Chris Darby from InQtel, also involved with the Metabiota EcoHealth Alliance, InQtel, Munich Reinsurance, focal point that we looked at in uh, Pandemics Incorporated, note the many other intelligence links, and uh, do not fail to note that uh, the aforementioned Peter Thiel has apparently that New York Times uh, Science Times article spoke about uh, the uh, studying how the uh, jellyfish's genome reacted to stress Uh, Peter Thiel as we looked at in for the record 1258 had been a major advocate of streamlining the 
approval process for drugs. He proposed kneecapping the FDA and uh, repurposing the agency into simply a marketing vehicle for rushing big pharma products out to market with the full knowledge that that would hurt certain people. Uh, Peter Peel also is uh, a thanatophobe, so to speak. He's uh, really into life extension. Uh, he is uh, someone who is very afraid of death. I mean, none of us exactly <laughs> is crazy about the idea, but Peter Thiel has not accepted it. And in, again, in the book The Contrarian by Max Chafkin, that I excerpted extensively in For the Record 1258, there is discussion of Peter Thiel's reaction to COVID-19. Quote, COVID-19 created a shift. There used to be this feeling that the future was being held back somehow. Changes that should have taken place long ago did not come because there was resistance. Now the future is set free, unquote. He was, it seemed, welcoming the pandemic as a chance to reset society according to his ideals and plans. And again, note the links between people like Joe Lonsdale, one of the people who helped to develop Palantir with Peter Peel, putting forth the venture capital and resilience. And note the many discussions of people involved with resilience on how that company was going to basically boost uh, medical development into the future and legacy treatments such as in-person visits with physicians, will basically go by the boards. Again, I think the viewpoint of Peter Peel and uh, the the um, well, the interest that he represents uh, and the manifestation of Keen Peel in the Trump administration is uh, something that uh, should be looked at in connection both with Dr. W., the new uh, medical DARPA. Again, note that in 2016 to 2020, she was working with DARPA on uh, things like biosecurity, uh, synthetic biology, things implicated deeply in the development of COVID. And I think that we should be uh, more than a little frightened about what is going to be taking place. Uh, I think World War III basically is underway now. Uh, it remains to be seen if China can stand up to COVID-19. It would not surprise me if an onslaught of not only COVID but other BW weapons ultimately brings China to its knees. That's certainly bringing China and Russia to their knees is certainly a goal of Team Biden. It will be interesting to see, too, if the, that Mediterranean jellyfish that is apparently immortal winds up yielding some gene secrets to Team Peel or Team Resilience or uh, Team ARPA-H under Dr. W. Again, uh, that remains to be seen. Uh, I will also note in passing, uh, someone who has been very influential, I have not spoken about him much at all, and that is Klaus Schwab, and he is the uh, head of the World Economic Forum that uh, convenes at Davos. His father had been heavily involved with a Swiss firm that contracted with Nazi Germany to develop things uh, using slave labor, and later that company and uh, Klaus Schwab's father were implicated in the creation of the apartheid bomb, the atomic bomb for apartheid-era South Africa. Peter Peel's father 
uh, a chemical engineer from Frankfurt, Germany, was also, according to the biography, The Contrarian by Max Trafkin, involved with the development of the apartheid bomb, uh, the apartheid South Africa's atomic bomb. That is an interesting, uh, I wouldn't call it a coincidence, an interesting convergence. And again, the program M8 talks about the South Africa, the Third Reich, and the bomb, and the profound IG Furman links to the the Third Reich's nuclear development program and uh, how that has projected forward into the uh, modern era and the development of the apartheid uh, bomb, so to speak. Remember the comments, very important by our brilliant contributing editor, Parafractal, uh, sister station WFMU is podcasting for the record, so if that is the best way for you to consume the program, there is a link at the top of each written food for thought description, each written for the record description, and each food for thought post to enable you to do that. And also, sometime in January, the newest iteration of the flash drive will be available, involving including not only the entire Pandemics Incorporated series, all of the interviews with Jim B. Eugenio and company about JFK Revisited, and also updates on the war in Ukraine. And again, I'm doing a Patreon site that will feature that features already three roughly one-hour talks per week. And we're going to modify these Zoom meetings to uh, have those perhaps only one a month instead of every other week. And uh, they will feature guest researchers and or authors. And I'm leaning very strongly at establishing another Patreon link uh, for which I will be writing articles. I should have an announcement about that. Well, within the week, do check the website and check the Patreon site for announcements concerning the Patreon site going forward. Again, three one-hour talks a week, or roughly one hour, sometimes longer. Uh, Zoom Q&A meetings, which are probably only going to be once a month and featuring other authors and or researchers. And in all probability, another level that will involve me uh, articles that I will be writing. Okay, so uh, check the SpitfireList.com website and also the Patreon site for more information about that. This concludes for the record program number 1277, Pandemics Incorporated Part 9. This is being recorded on December 12th of the year 2022. I'm Dave Emery. Have fun. <laughs>